Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Andrew Musk here and I'm joined by one of our football editors, Matt Ketchup. You may have seen yesterday on our website, we revealed the results to the big manager survey where we asked you guys to tell us who you wanted to replace Steve Bruce. Now, more than 25,000 of you guys filled in that survey and the results uh, were kind of as expected, I think. What I'll do, I'll get up this little image to show you just how the results went and then we'll talk through them and we'll get both our opinions on how this managerial search is going. But first of all, Ketch, we'll just talk through these results. So as I said, more than 25,000 people left their uh, opinion and you can see there that Paolo Honeska was top. That's the ex-Roma boss who's been tipped over the last couple of weeks. He's, he's fallen away uh, in the bookies odds of late over the past few days. But of course, that doesn't really mean much. Um, we then have Antonio Conte, who's of course been heavily linked to the Manchester United job, is said not to want to start a new job outside um, of, of like pre-season. He likes to start before the season begins. Anyhow, Roberto Martinez, of course, knows Graham Jones very well on 10% there. And Steven Gerrard as well, who I think is the pick of many, but he's, he, he shut down suggestions in his last press comments that he would leave. I think he called it, I think he told the reporter not to ask a daft question, uh, to put it politely. Um, what did you make of, of the results? I mean, we'll get into the other section in a minute because there's some interesting names there. But in general, are these the names that you expected to, to crop up? I would think so, yeah. I mean, this poll was put up in the immediate wake of Steve Bruce leaving last week. So um, the initial shortlist, it didn't have names like Rafa, Mourinho, um, other names banded around with Diego Simeone. So th those names have kind of come into the picture a bit later, probably based on their poor results with their clubs, suggesting that, that they might become available. But it was a pretty robust shortlist and there was the option for fans to, to write other, for, for suggest other names who maybe weren't on our shortlist. But it's a really, really great sample size. Over 25,000, I think, is a, is a pretty true reflection of where fans' heads are at at the minute. Uh, Fonseca's name has been the most heavily linked over the last uh, 10 days or so. Um, and he, he seems to be at the top of, I would say, the mid-level of, of manager that are in the shortlist. So obviously Antonio Conte is you know one of the best managers in the world. Is he going to come to Newcastle United at this time? Probably not. But there is that mid-range of manager who probably are interested in this project. Fonseca is in there. Eddie Howe, I would I would have thought is interested. Has been out of work quite a lot. Also Steven Gerrard and, and Frank Lampard might want to to come back into the Premier League and and have a go with with a, a nice heavy transfer kitty. So yeah, it was. Those those are the names that, that were linked. Other other names on the shortlist were Lucien Favre, uh, Graham Potter, Wayne Rooney, who was who was linked early on, but it's it's gone quiet again. So there was about a dozen names in there with the option to put other, and, and Fonseca was was clearly the favourite among fans. Now you mentioned there the other category, and I have added them up. Uh, so Kevin Keegan was in there; he got one hundred and six mentions. Uh, Benitez was in there; he got one hundred and twenty three. And Mourinho, math services correctly, got about 108. So that there were the names. I mean, so Benitez obviously tops that other category. Mm. And given the result against Watford, and there was there were some reports that the the new owners would try and tempt him, but I can't see him walking away from Everton. Obviously, I think had this happened a few months ago, obviously he would have been probably straight through the door and in in charge. Um, I mean, just how important is it that they get this decision right? Because we expected it to happen. A lot fast. I think a lot of people expected Steve Bruce to, to leave a lot quicker than he did. Um, and obviously now he's been gone. Graham Jones is, is in charge with Chelsea. That's what he said in his last press conference. We'll see what happens after that. You know, it is taking a little bit of time, but it's important to to, 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 
take the time in a way because this is such a big decision, especially given where Newcastle are in the Premier League table. Yeah, well, I wrote yesterday when I presented the results on the Chronicle Live's website that this is probably the biggest decision in, in the club's modern history. Uh, such a, a crossroads, really. And it, it feels like Bruce has been gone a while already. Time's really rolling on. And I know Graham Jones basically intimated in his press conference on Friday that he'd have charge of the team for Crystal Palace and for Chelsea. That suggests that the game after that, he, he won't be in charge. So... Perhaps we'll have a decision middle of next week or the start of next week, but I think it needs to come sooner rather than later because there is a bit of limbo there and and the club clearly needs a bit more direction. So, but the Bruce news came out so the Bruce sacking the Bruce um, termination news came out so quickly. We could have a decision today. You know, things happen quickly in football. It could happen today. It could happen before the weekend. The new manager could be in the stand uh, for the Chelsea game. And then in the training ground, uh, first thing on Monday morning. So we don't know, but I, I would like to think that it'll be early next week because you know there's no time to waste. Really, the, the club is 19th in the league, and and the the players need a bit of direction. I mean, out of those names that have been mentioned, or even some of the names that aren't on that final list, um, in your opinion, who would you like to see? Well, Fonseca, I think, is is the 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 top level of the of the mid range. So I think he's the best manager they could realistically get. Like I said at the start of the stream, we didn't have Benitez and Mourinho's name in the fold the day that Steve Bruce was sacked because they were comfortably in their new positions at Roma and Everton respectively. Like I said, football changes things quickly. They they've had a couple of bad results and look a bit wobbly in their at their clubs. Were they to lose their jobs? I'm sure there would be conversations to have and maybe the club are, are playing that waiting game, seeing if there is a wobble there, will Rafa or, or Mourinho leave their positions? Probably not, but but you never know. Um, they have had two particularly bad results each, um, Mourinho in particular. So maybe there's a bit of hanging on there. The um, you know the, the famous uh, ITK journalist Fabrizio Romano yesterday on a podcast said that um, Fonseca is, is is happy with things and is ready to accept. Newcastle just need to to green light it. Um, that was reported on ChronicleLive.co.uk yesterday. So it seems like they've spoken to Fonseca. He's happy with the terms, and now Newcastle are, are starting to play the field a little bit. Ten Hag's name came into it. Um, the Ajax manager, which I think is ambitious, but he was asked about it, and he's he's quite clearly distanced himself. But his name was heavily linked because of the links with Mark Overmars potentially being mooted as coming in as sporting director. I think he's a little bit out of reach, if I'm being honest, with, with Newcastle. Um, so I would say Fonseca is the best of the realistic targets. Conte isn't going to come, I don't think. Uh, he is the manager who takes you, you know, when you're a, to a Tottenham or a, or a Chelsea who are just in the Champions League and you want to go that next level and go to win titles and win Champions Leagues, I think that's where Conte comes in. And the, and the Manchester United situation is probably piquing his interest, so he's probably got his eye on that. So Conte, I don't think it'll happen. Eddie Howe went down with Bournemouth, um, so there's probably a bit of reservation there from from the Newcastle owners. And then the interesting one for me is with Roberto Martinez. Now, he would fit really nicely because of the link with Graham Jones. Graham Jones has been Roberto Martinez's assistant for the majority of his managerial career. I don't know how much of an appetite the Newcastle owners have to pull a manager out of an existing role. There would be compensation to pay to the Belgium FA if Roberto Martinez were to come in. But the integration with the squad would be a lot more seamless because of the relationship Roberto Martinez already has 
with Graham Jones. Um, and then after that, I think Gerard and Lampard come into it. Gerard hasn't distanced hasn't distanced himself as much or as hard as as say someone like Ten Hag did. He's been a lot more measured with his response. He has been asked a question in his Rangers press conferences and post match interviews. Maybe he's interested. Um, he's won the league with Rangers and maybe you know proved all he wants to do up there. They're doing well in Europe. He might be interested, and I'm sure Frank Lampard would would love another tilt at, at the Premier League. But I don't know how interested Newcastle fans are in having Frank Lampard in charge. Only four percent of fans voted for for him to take over. Ten percent voted for Steven Gerrard. So for me, I, I do like the look of Fonseca. I wrote an article last week on UK about how he turned uh, Facundo Ferreira into a, a 20, 30 goal striker in uh, Ukraine at Shakhtar. Obviously famous Newcastle United flock came and had a season-long loan at Newcastle um, under Alan Pardew, never played in the first team. Um, then it, Fonseca basically revitalised his career um, and he was playing and scoring in the Champions League. So Fonseca looks like someone who can take poorly performing players and, and turn them into and in, in help them reach their potential. Likes to play attacking football which Newcastle fans appreciate it. So as uh, right now the manager where the way the managerial market is I'd probably go with Fonseca. What about yourself, Andrew? Well, I was a big fan of, of Potter Brighton but I didn't I don't think they'll go in and, and pay the compensation that's there like you said Martinez um are they going to pay to get him out of his contract. Um Fonseca I don't know a lot about him. I've seen a few people say defensively he's not the best. And we all know that Newcastle United's defence at the moment is just leaking goals like there's no tomorrow. I mean, was 20 goals conceded already against Palace? And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Palace later on the show. They were just lucky Ben, ben Teke just couldn't find the back of the net enough times because obviously he had one ruled out. He scored. He should have scored another two or three. They were opened up by a Palace side, which haven't really scored that many goals this season. And you, you do feel what's going to happen on a Saturday against Chelsea after Chelsea mm-hmm. thumped Norwich, what was it, 7-0? And they weren't even, didn't even have the best players. I mean, Lukaku was out and, and, and uh, Werner as well. So you do worry about that defence. And I think it does need someone to come in who can just steady the ship at the back because we know if Newcastle get forward, they've got someone in Callum Wilson who can score goals. They've got St Maximum on his day who's just un- unplayable at times. Um, but again, I don't know too much about Fonseca. Potter would be my number one choice. But again, I don't think we'll go for that. Steven Gerrard is an interesting one. He knows quite a few people, advisory um, around Newcastle, but again, it'll be the compensation issue. Um, I mean, we've got someone here, Michael Davison, just says, explain to me why Fonseca would be the best choice. So do you want to just expand, in your view, catch why you would potentially like to see him come into the dugout? Well, one of the things about Fonseca is uh, he likes to, he has to put a big emphasis on on fitness, but he his fitness me- methods are that he likes to, everything is done with the ball. And one thing I noticed um, at the last Newcastle game, I was at the Tottenham game, the fitness levels of the players was was particularly low. Um, there was an opportunity to get back into that game when Eric Dyer scored an own goal towards the end. I know Newcastle were down to 10 men, but the team just didn't have any legs for me at all. And, and, I, and I've been a bit alarmed by the, the fitness levels of the players, especially after an hour of, of play. Players like St Maximum, uh, he's very dynamic and lively for the first hour of the game. But the last half an hour, there's, there's not a lot there. So I think Fonseca would come in, put a bit more emphasis on uh, ball work, on fitness work. Um, and he is traditionally a, a, a manager who likes to play attacking football. And that's something that Newcastle fans have always traditionally enjoyed. And to be honest, have been starved of in the last five, six years. So I would like to see a bit more 
front football, a bit more organisation defensively and, and a bit more fitness. And I think Fonseca is someone who might be able to bring that. It's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you've got to kind of get that balance between we know the club has a budget and it's going to be a big budget. So they could realistically go out and get anyone that they wanted if they wanted to spend the money that we know is there. Um, and you could go in and get a mid-level manager like Fonseca, like you say. But all the elements, they're not they're not perfect, are they? Because you do have, like we say, a leaky defence. But Newcastle are in the relegation zone and they're not there through bad luck. They're there because, let's be honest, they've been very poor this season. Yes, a lot of that can place at the feet of Steve Bruce, but and you know, he's gone. Graham Jones has had a bit to work with him. Of course, Graham Jones has been there throughout Steve Bruce's day, well, you know, the last the last year or so. Um it, and it won't be just a case of a new manager coming in and just instantly getting the results because I don't know about you, but there seems to be something ingrained in these players where I think that they are better than the relegation zone, but they're only just. And you do worry about someone without Premier League experience. Can they come in and, and, and turn this around? Because they are right in the mix of this relegation battle in a survival scrap. And, you know, you look at the fixtures coming up, I can't see where they're going to pick up too many wins. And the new manager is going to have to come in and obviously try and get the wins. And it's it's not going to be an easy task. Yeah, and that's perhaps what's holding the, the situation up. Maybe they've interviewed Fonseca and, and not liked what he's had to say, and, and maybe they do feel, like you say, there's not enough Premier League experience in there and there's too much of an emphasis on going forward when really it's clear Newcastle's problems are at the back. The, the front line is, is pretty strong, but defensively the entire back line could be changed and, and, and that might happen in, in, in January and, and is Fonseca the best person to overhaul the team defensively? So yeah, yeah, it's it it might be um it might be a better option for a Roberto Martinez and Eddie Howe, someone who really knows the league, um and has a, and has a bit more of a grasp on defensively shoring up the team because that's exactly what Newcastle United need to do. The the defense has to be their priority, and I I expect to see that in the in this January transfer window. We've been asked a question here by Gary David Jackerman. And he says, do we feel the need of Harry Radnap, Kevin Keegan type appointment to keep us up, then make an appointment for the future thereafter? Personally, them two names, no. But I, I think what Gary might be getting at is kind of an interim manager to come in and just survive this season. And then in the summer, you will appoint your manager who's going to lead the project. And I guess in a way that also adds another interesting element into this appointment, because you see, if they did that, Who's going to come in for six months and and then then leave in the summer with this you know with these owners in charge and knowing the budget, um and then it also the other interesting point is if they do appoint a long term person, a lot of people are comparing it to Man City and how Mark Hughes stayed for a bit and then he went off, Mancini came in he stayed for a bit went off and then you know it eventually led to Guardiola, a lot of pundits are saying you don't want to be the first manager to come into this job because you know two three years down the line they're probably going to move it up a level and go for the next big name and then so on and so forth exactly there's there's stages to this isn't there that's why it's not going to be a, a conte and it's it's not going to be a, a rafa and Mourinho because they come in when this the foundations are a bit more stable um the suggestion there for for, for harry redknapp and, and keegan um the very nostalgic one isn't it with with keegan he isn't hasn't got any interest in in coming back to take over the team for the third time uh, it would be it would be so yeah, for the for the third time as a, a player and manager so I, I can rule that out uh, Harry Redknapp probably been out of it too long now as well the guy who 
um, who comes in and does that in, in the modern era is Sam Allardyce. Um, and that's not really a name I want to be talking about when I'm discussing the next Newcastle United manager. Um, been there, done that. But he is the, he is the, the modern day relegation specialist. So if you're going to go down that route, it would probably be Big Sam. Personally, not for me, uh, not at all. Um, but who knows what the new owners are thinking? How panicked are they by the, the prospect of relegation? If if you want to go down that route, then you're shopping in the aisle of Big Sam, uh, Tony Pulis, Mark Hughes, these guys who've been in relegation battles before. I wouldn't I wouldn't like to go there. I like to think there's enough quality in the team for a good modern manager to come in, to organise them, to increase fitness, to bring in new defensive faces in January to get them safe. But is there enough quality? Because we, we, we know a forward line there is, but you rely on Callum Wilson. I mean, Alan Shearer did a podcast yesterday with CBS and he you know, he said, look, you know Callum Wilson's career, he's going to get injured at some point. He's not going to play all the games. St. Max, when we saw against Palace, if he's marked out the game or it doesn't quite work, Newcastle, are obviously, they're a lesser threat. And then defensively, um, you know, I think there was five players in that squad or that starting eleven against Palace who were part of that championship squad. So... You do worry, you know, how much quality they've actually got in that squad, and I show. I suppose it's a sign of uh, how Mike Ashley and Newcastle United stagnated under the under his ownership. That you know we are talking about these players five, six years on from that championship winning side, um, and of course the new manager comes in, and he still has. If he comes in next week, he's still going to have six weeks to two months or so to um to to have to try and turn it around without being able to bring in new players, and that, that's the big worry I think for many people. And then. Come January, catch if they're still in this relegation battle, even if they're two or three points out, it, it, you're not going to be able to convince big name players to come. And I'm not talking about Mbappe or you know um, mm. Gareth Bale. I'm just I'm I'm just talking about the level below them, really, or they're even the level be- below that. You know the kind of players you can't get in a team at Manchester United. You're not going to convince them to come. And also, I think it takes a different type of player to get you out of that relegation scrap to achieve survival. And again, it goes to, well, how are you going to sell that to somebody? Come in for six months, achieve survival, be here till next January, and then we'll, we'll move you on. I know money speaks, but you know, I like to think some players have got a bit of integrity about them and they don't just want to come for you know half a project, so to speak. And that's where I think you probably need as be- as good a manager as you can in position to sell it to the player. You know, Do you want Sam Allardyce trying to tempt a player in January to come and join the relegation battle or do you want a uh, Paolo Fonseca, Roberto Martinez, Steven Gerrard? I think that's a more a brighter pos- prospect for a player in January. So I think you do need to get the best manager possible in position for the January transfer window um, because survival is, is absolutely crucial. The, the, the regression of, of the club defensively is quite alarming. I, I didn't think they were particularly bad defensively last season, but something's happened. Um, uh, they're, they're, they're very poor compared to last season. There was players I thought had decent seasons last season. Fernandez, Kieran Clark, um, who've been very poor this season, very below standard. And and I wonder, you know, is that them? Is that them reaching a stage of their career where their game is regressing, or is that a coaching thing? You know, do they just need some some new ideas, some new inspiration, and a new manager would bring that. Um, regardless of who it is, fresh ideas, freshen it up, and everyone's game raises, you get the new manager bounce. We didn't quite see that with Graeme Jones on Saturday. It was quite a poor game from a Newcastle perspective, but I just think you go for the the best possible option, and I do think that person, the momentum can can get them safe. I, I see worse clubs in the league, and, and I think Newcastle are underperforming massively, and there's, there's a lot, there's a bigger ceiling to, to reach in terms of performance levels, especially at the back. It can't get much worse. 
But do you believe someone like Francisco comes into this job without any Premier League experience, which is one thing, and without obviously then a survival experience, um, can 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 take the job on and be successful in it? Because it could be daunting to some managers, and then you have uh, just how important this job is to 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 the city, to the to, to Newcastle fans. You know, it's not just any job, and I'm not talking about expectation because that word gets unfairly thrown at Newcastle. I'm just talking about how important it is, how it sets up the week if Newcastle win, if they lose, people tend to go to work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in a foul mood. You know, it's it's, it's a unique job and it, it takes someone with broad shoulders to handle that. And then plus you've got the fact that they'll probably be in a survival scrap all the way leading into maybe January, February. Yeah. And the new owners don't know that. It's a jump into the unknown for them. It's a jump into the unknown for someone like Fonseca who, who doesn't know the league and, and who doesn't really know how he'll adapt. So it's on it. The onus is, will have been on him to sell himself in this, in these interviews, in these discussions, you know, what are his ideas, and um, that will have been a, a high on the agenda in, in in the discussions. You know, do you think he can um, steer the, the team out of relegation? How do you think he will do it? Um, obviously, we're not privy to those discussions, but I like to think he has a clear, concise plan and has looked at the squad, looked at the players, looked at potential targets, um, and rolled them out in his discussions and said, "This is this is how I would do it." And now the ball seems to be in the new owners' court, and and they need to make a decision. Have they seen enough in their discussions with Fonseca to to give him, you know, to give him the keys and put him in the in the driving seat? That's a huge question. It's like I said, biggest decision in the in the club's modern history. We can't have Fonseca come in and not get a result for half a dozen games. There is not enough time to do that. He needs to come in and instantly start putting points on the board. The club are three points adrift already. We're in October, so whoever comes in needs to get in and get some results. There's some more winnable games coming up we've we've had a few winnable games haven't got anything from them some more winnable games coming up in november they're absolutely massive because we can't get sucked into this relegation battle because then we've seen it before panic sets in you lose momentum and no matter how many new players you bring in it's it's, it's often difficult to survive and of course the the new manager whoever it would be will have to also deal with the scrutiny and attention that comes with being the richest club in the Premier League, one of the richest clubs in the world. And of course, you know, all the attention that comes with the new owners, you know, all the, the national attention that comes on the human rights side of things. And, you know, I suppose the good thing with that catch, you know, we've seen more communication over the last uh, few weeks from the new owners than we ever did under Mike Ashley and in his uh, tenure. So the manager, we would think, wouldn't have to face all that by himself. And he'd probably just be okay to talk about football matters. Uh, we, we would think, which is which is a good thing, because Steve Bruce did have to deal with everything, all the things that weren't even his fault. He had to deal with it because no one would come up and and speak out um, and and help him out. So I suppose that's one good element of this new ownership. But it it is going to be something that the new manager is going to have to deal with. You know, the banner being unveiled at the Crystal Palace, and that's not going to stop. And that's something that whoever the the new guy is is going to have to try and, and deal with. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, obviously, takeover questions are now off off the table and. Instead, the manager might be asked about things like protests and human rights, and they'll they'll be briefed on on that, and 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 that's just another bit of noise that comes with the territory. Really, if you're going to be a Premier League manager, you're you're asked about politics and and world affairs, and and you know big big decisions that are taking place in amongst world football, um, and and this is a huge talking point. Newcastle are now under the microscope big time, and one thing that kind of worries me a little bit is you know the we seem to be creeping into the, the territory of being everyone's hate, hated club now. 
um, a little taste of that against Palace on at Saturday, and I wonder if that's gonna, you know, spur on the the opposition fans and spur on opposition players to to get results against us. Um, you know, the the jealousy is clearly there from the other clubs, the other owners ganging up, um, put, come meeting to 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 try and put hurdles in the way of of Newcastle's new ownership. Um, there'll be a bit of a siege mentality, and 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 I worry if that's going to translate onto the pitch, and it's going to up the game of the players and up the atmospheres inside stadiums, and and that might be another thing for Newcastle to contend with this season. Yeah, and something fans are going to have to deal with as well. You know, it's going to be interesting because it's something that we've never we've we've never had before as, as fans to deal with that pressure and scrutiny. Of course, the other nineteen Premier League clubs don't seem to happen. You imagine there'll be some more manoeuvring from from those to try and halt Newcastle's. Uh, spending power. Uh, a lot of people in the comments asking about the new under twenty three coach. Two seconds. Can you hear me? Yes, you're back off mute. Grand. I think the I think the mic. This is not the best uh, mic in the world. I was just talking about Elliot Dickman and how Lee Lee uh, right our colleagues got a story going up on our website uh, in the next few moments, saying that uh, yep, it does look like the the Sunderland coach is going to come and manage the twenty threes. And that the wheels were in motion for that to happen before the takeover. So another man in charge of the 23s, but hopefully some, um, you know, someone who's going to be around long term because there are a few good names in that under 23 pool who've been impressing. You know, Elliot Anderson, Joe White. So hopefully some of them can step up to the uh, to the first team. But yeah, lots of interesting comments. I mean, we've got one here about Roy Hodgson as well, who was tipped last week by, um, I think it was Danny Mills was on Talksport. It didn't go down too well, but you can you can you can see why some people are suggesting that, that is the route to take because Newcastle are in such trouble at the moment. Yeah, I think it was Gary's shout earlier about Kevin Keegan and uh, Harry Redknapp. The, those the, the their their time I think is over in the Premier League. But someone like Roy Hodgson, Sam Allardyce, those those are the the names you would consider if you were going to maybe look at a temporary option to shore the ship up. Secure survival, negotiate a big summer, a big January transfer window, and, and get the club through the summer safely. Where and then make a maybe make a more long term appointment, um, almost like a kind of mid to long term caretaker role. It's quite unusual. Um, I'm not sure if I would be into that idea. I, would, I think I'd probably prefer to get a, a permanent manager in and throw support and resources behind them. But the owners of uh, 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 you know getting deep into the club and and having a look at the lay of the land and it may be they think that's the better option they might not trust Fonseca but as an example to come in straight away and they might feel safer with someone like Roy Hodgins who who I'll be honest surprised me last season I thought he was great last season I thought you know Roy's you know best years were behind him maybe they were but I thought he did fantastically with Palace and and did maybe what what Steve Bruce should have done and, and, and left the club um in a, in a safe position um and, and and said that's that's me doing I'm gonna you know go into semi retirement so Roy Hodgson's an interesting shout I, I don't mind that idea but I'd probably prefer to go down the route of a permanent appointment. We mentioned the Palace game and I mean some of the the stats were, were rather worrying seventy five percent possession for for Palace that fifteen shots you mentioned how Ben Tech could have scored a, a bag full of goals. Um, and what we saw again was just the over-reliance on Callum Wilson, who went fit, absolutely brilliant. But, um, you know, at six and six now, great overhead kick, not just any overhead kick. I mean, that was a proper overhead kick. But you do worry that when a defence manages to mark him out of the game or if he does end up getting injured, just where the goal's going to come from. Yeah, really worrying, really worrying. And um, we're getting we're getting Wilson's goals now, but we're not getting his, we're not getting the points. 
Um, you, you look at Wilson's uh, stats, and he's going to play you know twenty odd games if you're lucky, um, and get you know maybe a dozen goals. And if he's already got four or five of them, you know, and we haven't got the points, it's a little bit worrying. So yeah, we know we know that we're. I, I really like the, the look of the team going forward. There's some some exciting players up there. We we know, but. Um, defensively is is where it's a, a big worry. I think um, Dubravka coming back is going to be huge. I just feel much safer when he's at the back, and the back line just feels a bit more organised. I saw a lot of panic at the Tottenham game. I saw a lot of panicking among the defenders, shouting, looking at each other, head spinning, no shape at all. I just wonder um, if uh, Dubravka helps that situation a bit more. He's, he's a, he seems to be a, a more vocal goalkeeper than Darlow, who I, who I do like, but. I would hope Dubravka can come back into the team sooner rather than later, but there's no no real noise coming out of the club that he's nearing match fitness, which is a bit worrying. I mean, that's an interesting take. I mean, I just, I don't know how much that would read. I mean, Carl Darlow, you know, I think Dubravka is a better goalkeeper than Carl Darlow, but I think just generally the, the, the players at the back line, they just look a little bit out of place. I mean, Matt Ritchie came back last season, did really well, but defensively he's just been caught out time and time again this, this season. He just... You know, every time they go forward, they just there's just so much space that the, the space between the midfield and the defence against Spurs was was border on criminal. Really, I mean, it was it was a joke, and I just I just think um, as much as Jabrafa coming back, I mean, that vocal goalkeeper, there's there's you know the the new manager has to come in and just really grab things by the scruff of the neck and just try and get some organisation in and maybe bring Jamal Lewis back in and give him a go um, maybe a bit more defensively sound than Matt Rich. He just needs a bit of an arm around him, a bit, a bit of confidence and, and, and see where we go from there. Yeah, and it was interesting to see Graham Jones starting Emil Kraft and, and Ryan Fraser. That just shows he's got a different read on the team than someone like Steve Bruce. And again, if a new manager comes in, it's going to be fascinating to see that that first line lineup. Who does he like the look of in training, and who does he think fits the system be- best? Because it has been square pegs and round holes for too long now, um, and I, I think the five at the back with the two attacking wing backs is 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 just unbalancing us greatly. Um, so hopefully, you know, we'll have a full strength squad soon, um, and I think it's within the interest of the club to make some sort of an appointment or communication as to what the plan is. Um, in the immediate aftermath of the Chelsea game. And we'll, of course, keep you a date with all the latest news on that. You cast out in mind your appointment when it, when it does indeed happen. If you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk, that's where you'll find everything to do with Newcastle United. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast provider. Thank you very much for tuning in.